Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura. All right, let's do it live on a very special First Friday edition of Cleveland Browns Daily. Joining me here in studio, and in this case, I am very merely Bo. The great Z is here, Gerard Cherry is here, and the voice of the Cleveland Browns, Jim Donovan is here. They are here because we are here to announce your new look game day radio team. This starts in 2022. These are the men involved on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. Z goes upstairs taking over for the legendary Doug Deacon, an incredible promotion. I'm so happy for you. Lots to get in on that. Gerard steps into Z's spot on the sidelines and, of course, captained by no better captain than the great Jim Donovan. Uh, let's start there, Jim, because this has been uh, – this is your voice, this is, this is your team, and now these gentlemen are going to be a part of it. Uh, as we go to evolve from what it has been for so long to this, um, what have you, what's it been like for you with the process? Well, I'm really happy. I'm really happy for these guys, and I and I hope uh, I hope it's a big day in their broadcasting careers because I can remember back in 1999 when I got the nod to become the uh, radio voice of the Cleveland Browns, and you know, second to none, it was the greatest day in my broadcasting career, and uh, it still sends shivers up my spine. Uh, to get that call that you're going to uh, represent a team. It was something that when I grew up, I always wanted to be the voice of a team, and then to become the voice of a legendary team like the Cleveland Browns is unbelievable. So for Nathan and Gerard, uh, I hope it's as exciting for you guys as it was for me back in 1999. Now, for me personally, uh, you know, this is going to be a great and exciting time. Uh, Nathan and I did a game yeah. uh, a, a while ago. Nathan just reminded me it was five years ago. It seems like it was five weeks ago, but it was five <laughs> years ago over in London when he was pressed into service. Doug uh, couldn't make the trip over to London, and Nathan came up in a uh, pinch hit situation and really nailed it that day, and it was a great feeling right away i kind of went wow this mm-hmm. is kind of you know, the chemistry here is pretty good i will say every sunday afternoon when i would walk out of first energy stadium after a home game i would flick on the radio and gerard would be doing the post game <laughs> show and someone would be saying hey gerard why didn't they run the ball a little bit more you know and i, I thought he handled that great and so uh his expertise of being a player and and going to the sideline position which Nathan handled with, uh, you know, great, great experience and, and great reporting skills. Uh, and Gerard will be able to do that and add even more to it. Uh, I'm very, very excited. And for the guy that leaves us uh, after we were together for 23 years, Doug Deacon, um, i uh, you know going to miss him a great deal. But I welcome these two guys. This yeah. is going to be a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I'm nervous even looking at you. <laughs> I am because, I'm, you know, I, I think this is a tremendous thing what's happened and you know i love you and um i've thought since i've done this show um that you are the voice of the fans for this fan base this tremendous fan base and you are beloved and rightfully so um and i think of few people who are more worthy of this type of honor than you i am so thrilled for you buddy uh we've been together a long time in this show this is this is appropriate you will crush this truly crush it i mean that thank you very much and yeah i mean it's crazy. It feels very surreal. I, when I was told, I was when I got as you say, you got the call. When I got the call, I got very emotional. It was one of those things I've, like you, wanted to do something like this. And since that day in in London, when we were there calling a game, by the way, my first game ever in the crowd, 
That's right. We were not in a booth. <laughs> no we booth. Were, no booth. <laughs> no booth. No monitor. No boards either in the stadium because it was a, a soccer stadium. So we couldn't really get a replay. And and from that moment though, I it's something that I want to do. I never knew if I would get the opportunity. And and I am just humbled and honored beyond belief. I know that. Doug is an absolute legend, and so you can't. Those are shoes too big to ever even try to fill. And I'm going to try to do kind of put my own stamp on things, and you know, bring people a perspective from my time here in this organization, now 10 years with this team, and the relationships I have with the coaches and players to try to bring some of those stories into the booth. And you know, I will work my butt off to be prepared to make sure everybody loves it. And and I have a little bit of energy every now and then, so I'm sure <laughs> that that Jim and I will have some fun with that up there. But uh, I'm thrilled. This is more than a dream come true and I am so grateful for the support of the organization of Jim uh, to work with Gerard and we've done it many times but yes, now to do it as a part of this broadcast and, and of course the best fans in all professional sports because it is such an honor to be a part of something so iconic I'm going to stay in my lane it's the Jim Donovan show <laughs> and because he is the he is the man and I can't wait to just be a part of it and I, like We've had the worst winter, so I don't want to wish summer away, but I can't wait for September. <laughs> yeah, don't don't speed summer, brother. Exactly. As you know, we're going to be cart pass until July. Uh, Gerard, you know, I, I think about I've talked about playing career, and you say, all right, what's my why? What I'm going to do? You've had a very successful run on the radio here, obviously locally, um, and and in terms of the various roles, this is adding something to it. And and I think the idea of a former player on the sideline that adds a lot of punch. Um, and, and how will you approach it, and what does this mean for you? Oh, it means everything to me. It's a great opportunity, one to work with guys I've worked with in the past, and I feel like Jim just said, chemistry and enjoying the process. And when you go to work, send yourself, do I enjoy working with these guys? Am I allowed to be who I am and represent what I have to say? And I can say it in each, each interaction that I've had with them, I'm me. So you won't get a deviation from that whatsoever, but what you will get is a player's perspective. And if you've ever watched a game with me, I'm watching the sidelines. I'm looking at body language. I'm looking at how's this guy approaching his cleats? Is he tying them? Is he changing them? Little fine nuances seem like much, but they're everything. So pay attention to the small details. I do that naturally. And on top of that, whatever I can do to help accentuate the points that they're trying to make, I'm going to do that and back my guys up. So I'm looking forward to it. It's an honor. It's a privilege to work with these guys. And again, talking about being excited. Now, I won't go to the point of getting myself kicked off the sidelines like somebody, but I will tell you this. I am so invested in it. Love the Browns and what it represents of being a part of this iconic organization. Looking forward to it. And like Nathan said, September can't get here fast enough. Yeah, and, and Jim, my goodness, what a season. I mean, this uh, this AFC <laughs> yeah. is a snake pit. You've got all the things that this team has done, the addition of Deshaun Watson, a top five quarterback in this league, uh, and AFC, which is just an absolute meat grinder. Uh, the excitement for this season. Again, we're not wishing summer to go away. We want to enjoy <laughs> summer a lot. Uh, but this season has the potential to be an incredible one. It really does. And, um, you know, uh, and I know last season we didn't hit the mark the way we thought because, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, but sometimes you learn from that. You know, you learn from a tough season and, uh, and you come into the next season kind of like what happened in 19 and then in 20 it was really good, right? Mm -hmm. And they learned from what happened in 19 and how they didn't hit the, uh, the point of where they wanted to be. And, and I think now you look at it and you, you can't help but be excited. Um, and you can't feel that guys look back at last year and say, gosh, Maybe that one slipped away. We're not going to let that happen again. So it is very exciting. From the radio side, you know, and I think 
you know, Nathan experiences it uh, down on the sideline, and Gerard certainly as a player did. But um, And up in the broadcast booth, uh, a great radio broadcast in an NFL game is kind of like a symphony of sound, and it really is. And you bring that. It's, it's an amazing feeling in a packed stadium, uh, you know, moments before the game or as momentum in a game changes on a turnover or a great play and how you orchestrate that and the chemistry that comes and how the different parts of the broadcast fit. Um, you know, we'll get into a rhythm together, and it will be very, very natural, I think, and we'll find out how each other work and, and how it works the best. And it really becomes a great thing that people, I think, get very comfortable with as a listener, and that's why I think they really enjoy their local broadcasts because yeah. they get very comfortable with the people who are a part of it. And so you spend Sunday afternoons with three guys that uh, you would sit beside maybe in the dog pound. You know, if yep. you're going to the game. And I think that that's the goal, and I'm sure we'll get over that goal line. There's a voice, that, you know, it's a friendly voicey, but a voice of God, too. You know, it's in your ear. And I know that's something that you'll bring to the team when you, when you think about, you know, we have fun here on the show talking about the scores and stuff, but the scores are the scores for a reason. That's right. Um, and the insight that you have within the organization is something that I think will be an incredible asset to this team. Yeah, that's what I tried to bring when I was on the sideline. And as Jim knows, when you're on the sideline, and Gerard, you will find out, it goes very quickly because all of a sudden <laughs> you may think you have a great point to make, and then they break the huddle, and you've got to get it back up to Jim so that he can paint the picture like only he can. So I'm, I'm excited to have, you know, not much more time, but maybe a little more time to be able to share some of those stories, especially about our players and even into the preseason, you know, kind of give that background on guys fighting to make the roster, my relationship with the coaches. And, and we have an incredible staff who've been very generous with me uh, in terms of helping me learn about the game so that I can speak intelligently about what we're seeing out there on the field, but also to understand some of those things that are going on in the building that will translate to what we see on the field on Sundays. And uh, by the way, I'm thrilled also to be up there because when you're up there, you can see the field, you can see the game, you can see see the route concepts unfold you can see the defensive coverages unfold and uh, it's going to be pretty exciting I think to be able to see that bring that and and kind of add some of those points about what I know the tendencies and get into some of the numbers of what we should expect every Sunday from this Browns team which by the way as we were talking earlier Jim when you know Denzel was asked about how great it is in the SEC, yeah. he's like hey we're pretty good too you yeah, know and I think yeah. we are going to be a pretty right. darn good football team to talk about has he told you anything about uh, wardrobe? November, oh, December, are you getting into I already did. I said, just be did warm you... at the second half of the year. Like, you've got to survive, man. You know, some sort of waterproof is going to be required. The, the one, I mean, you had three different types of weather, three different extreme weathers in one game, uh, the game against Houston a, a couple of years. I mean, so that's, that's what you're in for. So wardrobe-wise, Gerard, yeah. you, we want to make sure you're on top of that, buddy. Oh, I'll be ready to go for that because I have tricks from the trade with being a player to keep yourself warm because you got to remember what's a player. Obviously, you're not fully covered so with that petroleum jelly works there's a whole bunch of different things that you can <laughs> you employ some different things that you can put in practice that will help you stay warm but ultimately like i said been on the sidelines for what nine years as a professional player you know what to expect you know certain days it could be brutally cold out there and also doing the pregame shows i had to learn too that you have to come prepare with your dress coat as well so <laughs> believe me to make sure hanford knows that yeah exactly <laughs> exactly jim i know i know you've you've experienced this z as well in terms of um what it will mean when i mean you dare to dream when you think about winning at all and and being that and i always think you're masterful at this you are the conductor when you think of overseeing it all i think that perch is appropriate for you and the way that you called the run to the playoffs a couple of years ago we are in for now a pretty remarkable run it seems you yeah. don't want to put the cart before the horse but this is a young team good cap situation incredible top five in the league quarterback all of those things start to line up you think about 
this is going to be the group of record that ought to call, call really one of the golden eras in Browns football. Yeah, I have to tell you, I dream about it a lot, Bo. I dream about <laughs> it daily. I mean, I, I have walked around the uh, the Metro Park down at uh, around Hinkley Lake for like 16 years, and the Browns have they have a dynasty down there because I recreate games yeah. and call play by play, walking the dogs around the around the lake, and and that's how I kind of get into the rhythm of everything. So, I mean, I dream of that. You know, you bring up a really good point. Um, and I want to go back to just Doug for a moment. If you really think about what Doug did throughout his career, minus the 64 championship game, which he wasn't a part of. But if you think of the things that he was a part of that are just amazing. I mean, he was part of the Cardiac Kids. Mm-hmm. He was part of that. He played in that epic Ice Bowl Raider Red Ride 88 playoff game. He was a part of that. And then he seamlessly went up into the broadcast booth and he became part of the Kozar era and those incredible playoff games, the double overtime game against the Jets, those AFC championship games against the Denver Broncos, and then, you know, ushered in the new era. And I would always say to him, Doug, I want to be calling those games that mm-hmm. you were a part of, both as a player and, and as a broadcaster, up in that old rickety wooden <laughs> press box that they had, broadcast booth on the top of that old stadium down on the lake, Municipal Stadium, and he was a part of that. And that's what we want to do. You yep. want to be there for the call of that game. And like I said the day they made the playoffs uh, in the win and you're in game against Pittsburgh. The only thing that was missing was all of the people yeah. because you could have only imagined the sound factory that would have been on that afternoon as those seconds and Mayfield, you know, got that first down and the game was over and they were really going to the playoffs and what that would have been like. Now for the 14,000 that were there, it was something they'll never forget, but you know, I want to be there and I know these guys do too when it's for real and it's full and it's really the moment that nobody will ever forget as a Browns fan. And you want to call that. And you will. And And you will. That'll be it. I I think the the other thing to note here, folks, is uh, that none of you are Northeast Ohioans by birth. You're not. You came here, and every one of you had the talent to do this anywhere else, and you chose to do it here. And part of the reason you do it here is it matters a little bit more here. And, and I know no one knows that more than you in terms of what you see in terms of the show we do and the experiences you have as the conduit from the fans, the organization. But it's that passion that, and the responsibility, I think, it comes with serving that passion that is so critical to what you guys are going to do going forward. You're right about that, and that's the word that, you know, when they asked me and I, I gave some comments about, you know, this that will, I guess, be in the press release, and that's the word I use was responsibility. You have yeah. responsibility to the best fans in, all, I think, all of professional sports. As you pointed out, yeah, I grew up in the Bay Area. Gerard spent some time out in the Bay Area as well. And, you know, I grew up in the Joe Montana era, and it means so much more here than it did in the Bay Area, even though that was one of the greatest runs any organization's had in a decade. It means so much more here. And you're talking about being there. And, you know, I was one of the few people on the planet, literally, that were at the playoff game in Pittsburgh because there was literally nobody there. And the opportunity to get to have that happen now with this team for this city and everybody together, I think, is so special. And to be just a small part of bringing that voice to the people during those times, I think, is going to be, I mean, you get goosebumps yeah. just, just thinking about it. <laughs> well said. And one of the things for me, I went to a high school where football didn't matter. I went to a college where football didn't matter. Now, obviously, when I got to the pro level, I went to a couple teams that weren't that good, but football did somewhat matter. (laughs) But to live in a community where, one, I've been embraced and I'm not from here is just tremendous because people ask me all the time, why do you live in Northeast Ohio? Why don't you go back to California? And I tell them, I love the sense of community that you have here in Northeast Ohio and what it represents 
and it's been nothing but great towards me and my family and my friends that I built through living here has just been incredible. But the other part of it, too, is just being a part of a situation where football really does matter and actually living in an environment where it is 24-7. We could be 0-16, we could be 1-15, but it still matters. It still permeates everyone's consciousness around the community. So I love being a part of this, and I'm excited about being a part of this. And I could talk ball all day, every day, and guess what? It's embraced around here. When you go out in this city, I'm sure when you go anywhere in the city, if I go anywhere in the city, you go anywhere, you go anywhere in the city, people want to come up to you and talk about the rounds the entire time you are anywhere in public because that's how much it means the city. It doesn't matter if it's January, it doesn't matter if it's June, it doesn't matter if it's August, September. It does. It is a Browns town, and there is something that is palpable and tangible about that love that this fan base has for this historic organization and to be somebody who's got to become a part of that and I've done it on the sidelines for eight seasons and now to get to come up into the booth with Jim is going to be for me just I still can't believe it's real <laughs> like part of the reason I want to get to September because once I'm actually doing it it'll actually feel real <laughs> but I, I am I'm so excited and Jim we were talking before the show uh, about your you growing up in Boston and the legendary voices you heard yeah and one of the great sports cities in the world in Boston and and the, the passion that they had for the Bruins and, and later the Celtics with Bird in the 80s yeah. and the Red Sox forever uh, that is all kind of wrapped up here I mean you're getting a t- oh. that, that's that, that's the football version is right here yeah and when I first came here and and I interviewed here in Cleveland to get the job that was in 1985 I um, I couldn't believe it right away. I mean, the Browns were coming off kind of a so-so year. Marty Schottenheimer had become the head coach of the team. He had been the interim head coach at the end of that season. Kozar then changed everything when he made the announcement, hey, I'm going to leave Miami. I want to come into the NFL, and I want to play in Cleveland. And I just couldn't believe, you know, the reaction yeah. that everybody was just counting down to go out to, uh, to, go out to training camp to to see him and it was like a rock star and they all were like rock stars and it's just continued no matter what the record is like you said and it has been a little lean at times but um (laughs) it's just amazing uh how it just uh everybody has their arms around it and and everybody worries about it they fret about it they celebrate it uh they take the losses with the team they celebrate the wins with the team and it's absolutely, uh, it's a very, very special situation. And I know it is like that in other NFL towns, mm-hmm. but it's very unique to this town. It really is. And I think people around the country realize it. And it has such a following. It's so unbelievable when we go on the road and we see the Browns fans come out in whatever city you're at and, and how they remember it and how they remember the great days and how they want those days to come back. And, and I think they are here. Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's the the fact that Canton's a little an hour down the road, you know, and <laughs> it's what we do, Paul yeah. Brown and all of it. The, the connection of all of it is incredible. Well, I'm thrilled for all of you guys. Uh, this is this is really awesome. Under you know, I got if I can slip a quick story in. I hope these guys have had a great day because the day I got the Browns job uh, back in 1999, uh, and they were bringing me downtown to the Blue Point, nice restaurant, right? Uh, yeah. Go to yeah. offer me the job. And it was something that I had waited for all my life, but specifically for the Browns job for about a year of auditions and interviews and extra auditions and things like that. So finally, it was the greatest day to get the nod that you got the job. And I wake up that morning, and I have two roaring 
toothaches. <laughs> and I go down to the blue point, and I'm sitting there, and they're saying, congratulations. And I'm going, thanks, thank you very much, thank you very much. <laughs> and I did everything. I mean, I had Advil. I even went back to my Irish upbringing and took a shot of whiskey to try and kill the pain. And here was the greatest day of my career. I mean, as a kid, holding the tape recorder in Boston Garden, you know, and then sending the tapes out and doing all the, you know, all the stops, Bo, that we've done in this crazy business. And I'm finally, I'm the voice of the Cleveland Browns, and I really can't celebrate it. And, and at the end of the luncheon, I immediately went and had two emergency root canals that <laughs> oh, afternoon wow. on the day I got the Browns job. So I hope your dental health is good. And Feeling I good right is, now, yeah. I hope this is a great day for you. It is. Uh, because it's, I think it's going to be a great experience for all of us. And, Jim, for the record, you can interrupt <laughs> with all the stories you, you want, want as right. much as you want. For as long as you want. You want an hour and a half? We can do them all. I'll take them all, buddy. Uh, so this is it. This is a, it's a big day for the organization, a big day for the three of you. Uh, this is your official game day radio team for your Cleveland Browns for 2022 and beyond. The great Jim Donovan, of course, Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry. We're off and running here. Cleveland Browns Daily 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. OBM, Ohio Business Machine, preferred copier provider of your Cleveland Browns. Of all the X's and O's for your office, call 216-485-2000. Visit ohiobusinessmachines.com. From an entire room of luminaries, and a luminary presents themselves now. Our good buddy Glenn Cook, VP of Player Personnel, joining us. Yeah, this, is an, this is a big L. Big L. Big L, L luminary. Huge. Yeah. Stop, yeah. stop, stop, stop. I, I covered him in the state championship game, Florida High School football. You guys go way back. Yeah. He was good. Yeah, I know. He could play a little bit. I know he could play real football at a very high level. Did it in high school, did it in college, and then I was in back when I was still a semi-young man, which I wasn't actually. I was probably the oldest guy in the league. He was in the flag football league. and I'm retired, yeah. Glenn was – I'm retired as well. Glenn was very formidable. <laughs> I had to save the Achilles before they, they went out. Mine was – I felt like my after one of my throws, my arm was just going to fly, detach itself like from my body. And, that was it. The body speaks. Yeah. The body speaks. The, the Achilles thing is a terrible yeah. fear. I wanted no parts. Yeah. yeah. You're not rehabbing. No. You're not no. doing that, man. No. Did everybody, when you stepped in, was everyone aware in the flag football of, of your uh, previous abilities? Yes. Well, I know you were, but is, did everybody in the organization who played in the league, were they aware of, of what Mr. Cook was all about? If they weren't and they had eyes, it was readily apparent. It was fun. It was just fun, you know? I didn't, didn't I mean, take it too serious. We had some legit people out there. We did compete. It was very competitive. Who else? Who could cover? Uh, our general manager. Oh, yeah. Was, oh AB? Yeah, yeah, AB. He yeah. was basically yeah. Ed uh, Reed on defense and then Michael, Michael Vick on Vick offense. Had, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. the most do- he's the most dominant flag football player I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. He play, so he, play, he was quarterback? I mean, uh-huh. he, he was a four-four guy coming out. So I mean, was he and he really? can lefty, and he can sling it. Yeah. And then on defense, he covered the whole field. Just we played them yeah. one game, and our team scored like the most points in the league the last year I played, or second last year, the last time AB played. Yeah. There was a game where he couldn't make it because he was in meetings for <laughs> the first half. And I remember we scored Sam. right before the half to go up, like we'll call it twenty-eight to six, feeling pretty good. Not. Not good the second half. Yeah. No. He could cover an entire field. No, he was definitely the most athletic, dominant dude out there. 
That's amazing. That's fantastic. Bonkers. It looks like he can still run four or five when I see him bouncing around in here. Bonkers. Right? Giuliani also oh, yeah. under the Dave, radar. Yeah. Bonkers. Rudy? Dave. Uh, who does a lot yeah. of our? He's a guy who keeps everybody. You know, should we go for it here? Should we do this? A lot of situation updates in the head. He's, sure. <laughs> he's fast. He's, he's in the ball. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. He played at Stanford baseball. That's a lot of athletes. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. 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 What is um? What is the the next four twenty four hours like for you? Quiet. <laughs> uh, all right, no, I mean the next forty eight hours. Uh, yeah. So the you know we're we're having our final discussions and. For us, it'll be a little bit differently because it's a little more wait and see, right? So um, we have the luxury of waiting a whole day or at least 12 hours to kind of see how the first round played out and analyze who's available, who could potentially be available. Do we want to move up? Do we want to move back? Do you want to sit? And uh, kind of just take it from there. So it's it's not the worst place to be sometimes, you know? We can kind of sleep on it and think about who could potentially be on the team. You guys have not picked at your assigned spot in the second round the last two years since AB's come back as a, as a general manager. You've moved back, got Grant Delpit. Oh, and by the way, Nick Harris for free for moving back. And then last time, you move up and go get Jeremiah Wusu-Koromo. I would also point out that you guys have gotten people that were pretty much consensus first-round picks in the second round. And so you were getting first-round talents in the second round. You'd like to be able to do that again this year, right? How does this draft kind of stack up from the ability to do something like that. I mean, you don't, we don't know how it plays out. You know, the market is a market sometimes. So I don't think anyone saw us moving up, what was it, nine picks, seven picks to, to get, get JOK? JOK. It wasn't in any um, of your simulations. You guys ran a billion simulations <laughs> and that never happened. Yeah, so like I think we, you know, we, we try to prepare ourselves well enough to be agile for any situation. So that could be moving back a couple spots, a lot of spots, moving up multiple spots. Um, you know, obviously we have a foundational strategy, but it's really about acquiring talent. So we're going to put ourselves in the best position to do that first and foremost. So we'll see. Like, it's an interesting place to be, again, not having a first-round pick this year. But uh, I think we feel good about how we'll approach it. Yeah, I, we were saying, like, you could just say your first-round pick is Deshaun Watson for the next three years. So that, then you feel pretty good about that. In terms of, uh, you know, we've never been in a room. We've seen the movie Draft Day. But what is it like in there? What, what can you compare it to to other experiences of the way it's that It's funny. Goes? I think every room is different. Right, like some, you, you have tons of people, um, uh, your entire scouting group, uh, your medical staff may be in there, some coaching staff, um, obviously the ownership group. Some there's just head coach, GM, ownership, right? Uh, so every room's different. I think we, we take a little bit more of a smaller group approach. And honestly, we've had so many discussions and, and worked through it so much beforehand. There's not much to be talked about. It's really, oh, this is, this is how this played out. This is what we would do in this situation. So I think uh, it's probably not as exciting as, as draft day, the movie. And in that regard, uh, there's not a lot of arguing or yelling, but, um, you know, it's it's different. Have you been in ones that do have that? I have, that a, have, couple, a, I have a couple of stories. I don't know if I can. No, no, no. Say, sure. But just through, but, in terms I mean, of how yeah, different it, it is now than others you've experienced. Yeah, I think, you know, there's. There's always situations where it gets intense, you know, because you, you feel passionate about a player and you, you want to speak up. Um, you, you have time constraints because you're, you know, on the clock. So, yeah, when you, you want to make your final push and statement on a guy, it could be a little little contentious. But that, that's the healthy nature of it if you don't want to get too crazy about it. But, yeah, I've seen a, I've seen a few things in my days. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things I, I talked to A.B., 
Monday and uh, for our draft preview show, and I asked him, you know, about trades and how does that go? And, and one of the things he said that I found very interesting was that basically every time you make a pick in the first three runs, and maybe even into the fourth, either you're making a call or you're getting a call or, at that pick. Mm-hmm. How, what's that situation like? And and are these are things that you're always prepared for? I would imagine you guys are. I'm sure one of that's one of the P's, right? You guys are prepared. Yep. Uh, you got a plan. You got a process to implement that plan. But is that kind of fun when the phone rings? You're like, oh, what are they going to say? Because yeah. you never know, right? It could always be. Could be some. That's the thing. You great. Ne- you never know what's coming out of the mouth of the person on the other end, right? Like it could be, hey, are you guys interested in moving back? You know, this guy we're targeting. Uh, we really want your spot. And your response is, okay, what are you offering? Right. Or it could be, um, you know, hey, you know, in a couple picks, you know, if this guy's available, would you be interested? And then on the other end, we're calling and saying, hey, we're trying to get out of the spot. What are you willing to do? So, yeah, it, especially early on, there's a lot of activity. Um, people like to, to move around and yo-yo a little bit. So that, that part is pretty fun. We kind of split up the call so it's not too crazy and you're not – Oh, so you have like a group of people. Yeah, it's like three of us. So it'll yeah. be me, Ken, and, and Sags on the phone this year, making sure we keep that part under control. Do you guys do some like good cop, bad cop ever? Nah, nah, <laughs> okay. Nah. You know, everybody has their sheets these days. COVID should be bad cop, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> I told him you said that, but everyone has their, you know, their sheets and kind of how they value each pick, and so you, you, you typically find a middle ground somewhere and, and work out a deal. If you really want to work a deal out, you get it done. You know, typically on the clock, it's. All right, fine. Let, let's do it. You know, so it's so like go back a couple of years ago with Grant, and obviously to make a move, there have to be mo- you have to be okay with the person that if you stayed there and picked the the potential that it's gone. I know you guys do your research and kind of your mm-hmm. investigating, so you felt good that he would still be there. But it's, when you make a move like that, does, are those picks the next few picks nervous? Oh, I mean, you don't know, right? Yeah, like, everyone can say, "Oh, we feel good," and the odds are X, Y, and Z, and the probability of one of those players being there is X. But you don't know, so you know it's you're taking a gamble, and that's sort of that's part of our business is taking risks, not only in picking players, but also where we position ourselves to pick them. So yeah, it's it's no fun to have that lump in your stomach. I don't care what anybody says. If you don't have that, you know this thing isn't important to you. It's no different than being a player. So yeah, you, you kind of hold your pants a little bit, you know, waiting for, <laughs> for you gotta be there. But that's that's the fun part of it. You're one of the most emotionally level guys I know, but I am sure, or maybe there's not. It, do you have you ever found yourself getting emotionally attached to a prospect and seeing it slip out? I mean, definitely. I, you, the, the way our process is built up, um, you can't help but do that sometimes, yeah. right? Like you, you get the first, I'll say, taste of who the person is, say in August when you visit the school for the first time, and they actually talk about them. And then you go to a couple more practices and a couple more games. And then you meet them at an all-star game. Um, and then you have an opportunity, if they're uh, fortunate enough, to meet them at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. And so just you build relationships and, and you root for guys. And you yeah, you're guys. You hear different stories of, of the challenges and adversity that some of these young men face. And so, yeah, you definitely you have to guard against that clouding your judgment sometimes because, you know, as humans, we root for all of us to be successful and there's some you really root for just because you understand where they came from. So, um, yeah, I definitely have favorites in every draft, irregardless of, like, what level of talent I think they are or how well I think they'll do in the NFL. There's always guys you favor. Is there a guy in the past that you were like, I love that dude, and it didn't work out, and it's worked out for him elsewhere? Just the timing didn't work? Is there somebody that jumps in terms to mind? Of like, 
being on the team I was a part of. Yeah, yeah, or even not. Even a guy that we messed out on, whether it was a team that you were in the front office or not, but you loved him in the process and you knew that he would be something and he ended up being it. What's a hit that you didn't end up being able to capitalize on? Is there anyone that jumps to That's mind? That's a good question. Let me, let me no, thank one. you. This is what I did. That is, that's, <laughs> big B. that's right. Uh, I'll say my first year, um, Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Yeah. He was and – and honestly, this isn't like, you know, you can have a little hindsight bias here, but it wasn't because I thought he would be a great player. Yeah. Because, I I, you know, I was green. I didn't know. I played mm -hmm. linebacker in college, but it was my first year in the league. But there's just something about him. So I had to – when I was in Indianapolis, I had to read all the reports, background, the player evaluation component of it, sometimes edit them if they were necessary. So first time I read his report, I mean, this dude was like a special – guy mm -hmm. yeah forget the player part of it right but just a special guy and he he was like my favorite guy mm -hmm. he was my favorite guy and then fortunately he went on to be pretty good <laughs> yeah you know what i mean so that's yeah. that's probably a, a unfair, that's a good one unfair answer but like the person and i think he's gone on to do great things like adventure capital mm -hmm. um a lot of stuff in the community in seattle and probably where he is in la now but yeah that was that was one that's good when you and it's a gold jacket, so that'll. I was gonna say that yeah, works out nice, pretty good. That's yeah. probably on his resume. He was yeah. Like, yeah, he had to th let me think about. It. Yeah, Bobby Wagner. Let's, let's go I back really to thought, that. Yeah, yeah. I really thought Bobby that's Wagner. a good one. Yeah, he might be okay. Mm. He might be all right. He might be all right. He's done a good job. I was talking with AB as well, and and Paul DiBodesta had told us about this last year, but the exercise where you try to put together a draft board, and the draft board can only have people that everybody or multiple people have said, yeah, that's my dude. I banged the tail for that guy and couldn't be made up of anybody where somebody was like, I don't want that guy. That's a guy that I'm against. And then you ended up with like 12 people yeah. who were obviously going very early in the first round. But just to kind of show how difficult it is and how so many people who are excellent at what they do can see things differently. Was that kind of an eye-opening thing for you? And had you ever done anything like that anywhere else? No, it was, it was definitely eye-opening. But also – I think that's a misnomer sometimes because consensus is tough like it's just it's just hard to get a hundred percent consensus on any decision but what you want to do is have everyone understand why you view it the way you view it right um and then kind of dig into those pain points of differences so hey i don't think he's as great at this position or i don't think he does as well separating against this type of coverage and go study it and challenge yourself to, to, to say, hey, am I seeing this correctly? Or should I change my opinion? And I think that's the great thing about what we do. Like we're always challenging each other in some of those smaller areas to, to question our beliefs, question what we think, and try to get to the right answer versus just our answer. And so there's a part of this that I think that everybody could go and you could watch tape, right? If you can get the access to it, you can watch tape. And that's a part of the evaluation. Then there's all the meetings and the whiteboards and the medicals, which nobody will ever know. So when players see, oh, this guy's supposed to go number 10 and he ends up going in the fifth round, it turns out there was some medical issue that you typically causes a fall like that. The question I have is how do you, and I'm sure that there's a huge component, I know there are people involved in the organization whose job is just to try to assess this, but dealing with, like, 21-year-olds are young. They are young people. And, oh, this guy's immature. And, oh, this he's 21. Yeah, I'm sure he is a little immature. How do you kind of factor in that human piece of it? You said Bobby Wagner was a special guy, so you wouldn't have had any of those concerns. And I guess it's probably a risk mitigation thing. But how do you kind of deal with that, that yeah, these are young guys who probably are coming from a situation where they were like the dude on campus, where everybody was like, you're the greatest thing ever. Probably was true in high school. and That's basically their form of life. And now they're about to be millionaires. That's, I think, a hard part 
to get your head around? So I'll say one is tough. I, whoever has the answer to that is probably really, really rich to have it, <laughs> have it down pat uh, in every instance. So it's just tough, right? You're dealing with humans. We're fallible. We're all unique, all 8 billion of us. Um, so that's that's the, the one part. Honestly, it is, is complicated. But two, I mean, honestly, you try to build a good process. And so yeah. um, we try to have uh, metrics and, and different things in place that we're looking for to help us assess, you know, whether it's high, medium, low, or pretty good, pretty bad risk in terms of who they might be. At the end of the day, you don't know. Um, right. You know, like they can not have any incidents in college and come into the league and, and make a poor decision or – they could have really struggled because they were immature, didn't have the right setup in college and come into the league and turn into a pretty good young man and, and adult. So you just try to make the best decisions with the information you have, but it's re- I, the, the bigger point is it's really tough to do that. It's really tough. Yeah, it is. And I think one we talk about all the time with, with Coach during the, you know, when we do Coach Stefanski's show is um, how collaborative he is in the process of coaching. And that same thing here in this organization applies to the front office in terms of uh, the, the collaboration that, that comes in the organization. And it feels like from our vantage, my vantage, I won't speak for you, but I'm sure that you and I share this, in that for, for you guys when it comes to the next few days, it's kind of like you've done the homework. This is the yeah. fun part. You know, it's not it doesn't feel like it's an emotional thing like it is because it, it's there's emotion to adding people to your family, so to speak. But in terms of the decisions that are made, it's pretty level here. I mean, when you have good people who are smart, all working in the same direction, it's going to be good. Yeah, know? I think that's I think at the end of the day, that's what our group is. You know, we, we all care about the same things. We're all trying to accomplish the same goal. And that's just winning. You know, so we're trying to provide our coaching staff with the best players. Our coaches are going to coach them up the best. And then our support staff, we're going to give them the best resources we can. That's We've tried to keep it that simple and not make it too complicated. And uh, so far, I feel like we have done that as a group, and hopefully we'll continue to do it. But, yeah, this it should be fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you said, I, I, at least I can speak for myself, this stuff you dream about doing, mm-hmm. you know, being in the draft room and, and, and picking players and, and seeing them walk across the stage. So this is a fun part for us, definitely a, the fun part for the players. So. It should be an exciting next few days. I think it's going to be an exciting like week plus. And what I mean by that is you have the draft. And then I know I know a lot of the people in this building, you guys get fired up for the undrafted free agent process because that's kind of – that's like recruiting. It's like trying to get somebody, yeah, would you come on over here. And there's kind of a back and forth in that. You have that. And then I feel – and we've talked about this a lot, and I won't speak for you, but I believe we've, we've talked about it, so I know you feel the same way, but – it seems to me there is an overabundance of very talented veterans that have not signed mm-hmm. compared to other years. And so I feel a lot of them are probably waiting for the draft, how that shakes out, how teams then need to go approach it. So it feels to me like we're going to have this bizarre kind of third wave of real free agency along with college free agency coming out of the draft. Is that Do you agree with that or, or am no, I? No, I mean, so like, you know, obviously it's been probably quiet. The last week, teams are trying to prepare for the draft and, and make sure they have they have their strategy down pat. But to your point, there are a lot of quality football players still on, on the street, so to speak. So, yeah, once teams get through the draft and, and maybe they acquire a player at a position they want, I think you'll start to see more moves um, and, and see more guys sign contracts. It is, it's been very unique the last couple of years, not only this year, in terms of just – you look up and it's June and oh man, that dude is still available. He still can sign with the team, so don't be surprised. Yeah, no, certainly not. And I, I think one thing that you should have looked right at the camera when he said that. 
That was a good. That was a that was a camera. One line. of those. Yeah. Don't the, be surprised. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I know you, you. You and I have talked about this. Like you, I've loved as a as a little kid the draft. Mm -hmm. Like that Saturday, the best. Sign me up. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm taking notes. Who got better grading each? I'm mini Mel Kiper doing all this stuff. Did you guys see AB's contract? Dude, oh, we, I did. Told, we told him. I but said I feel like he doesn't uh, love it. I don't think I don't think he loves that it's that it's out in the mix. He should. It's incredible. It's great. He actually yeah. got when he was ten. He wanted. He want, He played NFL general manager and he yeah. became one. I would have. Been, I would have grown up as a GI Joe if yeah. that was the case. So that's the difference, <laughs> you know, in those two things. Um, no, I did see that, and and I I I never take. And now that you know, in the organization and and seeing it in person here, you never take for granted the dream that you're making. Right. And the voyage that that kid has gone through, the work, you've done it. You yeah. did the work. You lived that life and the amount of practice and work. And it's one thing, you dream of playing college football. You dare to dream to play in the league. But then all of a sudden, what, and, and, and honestly, when that when your name is called, my guess is all what if there's disappointment that you slipped, it all goes away because yeah. you just want to hear that name. So I tell guys, I, I tell guys on, on their visits or when I see them throughout the spring, listen, I know – it's an interview of some sorts, right? Like you're still trying to potentially sell yourself in terms of uh, your ability on the field or who you are as a human being. But make sure you take a moment mm -hmm. and be grateful and celebrate getting to this point. Mm -hmm. You know, like you've been playing, some guys have been playing since five. I started playing when I was nine, some people start in high school. But think about that journey and not just your four years in college. Like a lot of, people want to be in your position even if you get drafted in the seventh round yeah there are a lot of people want to be in your position to say hey i got drafted and just don't take that for granted so i i agree with you i hope and i think most of the guys celebrate you see the the tears and the passion flow because it is a relief like you you kind of like ball up and, and mm -hmm. you get anxious and then when you can finally release it it's pretty cool so you know hopefully we can make more than a, a couple guys dreams come true this weekend it'll be fun yeah Speaking Absolutely. of dreams come true, I don't know if you were GMing when you were 10, but it feels like this is becoming a factory here, and you got to go on some interviews that had to be pretty darn cool it for was. you to get that experience. And what was kind of that like? And, you know, when you dream about being the guy, because when Depot told me about that exercise, he goes, at the end, he said, the only person in this room that's going to for sure pick somebody that's not on their do not pick list is Andrew Barry. The end. Finish. <laughs> and it's someday, you know, hopefully that's going to be true yeah. of you. I'll say one thing, don't rush to the seat. I'm not rushing to it. I think <laughs> between watching uh, Andrew and some other people live that life, I think you, you uh, grow an appreciation for how tough the job is. Yeah. And I've definitely done that. And then going through the interview process, it was challenging. I think both organizations really put us all through the ringer and really wanted to see who we are as people. I think I showed myself well, and there's things I learned about me that I'm going to try to work on. But really my focus is, hey, let's get us – you know, to compete for championships and Absolutely. all that other stuff. Will, Take care will of itself. itself out. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah, That's no. still a, a nice idea. No, no, we no, were no, happy to see it for you. I appreciate yeah. it. And, and well-deserved. Yeah. Uh, always good talking to you, buddy. Same. Yeah. Have Same. A, this was really enjoyable. I know I, uh, I enjoyed it a great deal, my friend. Next time he's here, when he hits the money lines, he's going to, you're watching. <laughs> I saw. It. He's yeah, right. that, yeah, I he's right. Well, I didn't know which. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Yeah, There's you several. have a bunch. You probably could go. You know what I mean? Was he on his solo? Was he on his ISO, Gibbe? I did have uh, I did have an ISO oh, cam so on. Right. So ISO. Oh. Yeah. So maybe he did. Maybe he gave it maybe, a little maybe glance. Maybe, maybe it was close a second. Yeah. Gibby's directing the cameras too now. He does it all. <laughs>
been a, been an hour, kids. He does everything. <laughs> I don't think anybody needs a shot of Jameson more than me right now. I'm not going to lie. Why would we give Gibby more responsibility? What are we doing? Man of many talents. Adarella, get it. Yeah. Get, get on the uh, – be the director back there, for God's sakes. Good talking to you, buddy. Have a, have a good weekend. Uh, our, our yes, great can't wait. Cook, Vice President of Player Personnel uh, in one of the very, very bright minds in this organization. If a car, truck, or motorcycle accident caused you injury, call the injury lawyers at 1-800-ELK-OHIO for a free case review. Elk and Elk is a proud partner of your Cleveland Browns. You listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. And the Bath Authority can give you the bathroom of your dreams. They can do it for you in about a day. You can transform your current bathroom into a custom bath. It'll feel like a spa experience in there. Let the Bath Authority make it a reality for you at a fraction of the cost of the competitors. The Bath Authority is Cleveland's premier bath and shower remodeler. They are experts. They are factory trained. They have the largest selection of bath projects. They're all made in the United States of A. Uh, they can change your bathroom from outdated to outstanding. Acrylic tubs insulate and keep the heat in. Superior products, expert installers. And if you give them a call right now, 500 bucks off your next custom bath or shower remodel. That number is 216-220-8399 or go to thebathauthority.com. How are you? We had an hour. Good. <laughs> I couldn't believe it's 2 o'clock already. You're suited up. I am. Uh, for, the, I am. for those just now joining uh, off the top of the show, very, very special. We announced the new look game day radio team and Z heading into the Doug Deacon radio booth and joining uh, joining Jim in that role and then Gerard coming in on the sidelines. Um, and we had a, it, was, it was great in the, off the top of the show talking about all this with all of you. Uh, but for you personally, pal, I, I know – one of the things about you that I find so incredible is your preparedness. So I know what you did just from a sideline perspective. The amount of work that you're going to put in on this thing is going to be <laughs> remarkable. Um, and and the, the preparedness that you will have for this will be nothing short of elite. Big responsibility with this. I know you don't take it lightly. I do not at all. And like I said, it's such a great honor and it's such a, it's such a privilege to be in the booth and to be in the Doug Deacon radio booth alongside Jim Donovan and to just be a part of that. And I know that I play a very small role and, and quite frankly, in radio broadcasting for the National Football League, it's, a, it's the play-by-play guy show. And guess what? We happen to have the best in the NFL. And so my job is going to be to try to add insights where I can and, and have some fun and share the things that I've learned, you know, from the coaches and, and from the players and from, you know, watching the tape and getting into our opponents and their tendencies and what they like to do and trying to share that with our audience so that when we watch it, you know, we're going to all be in awe of, of Jim's calls and having fun and hopefully enjoying what we see on the field. And I'll try to kind of explain a little bit of the why and a little bit of the stories behind that. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I am so excited and and so just like i said i can't wait for it uh i appreciate all the kind words that you said and so many people have already reached out to me on text and, and on twitter and i appreciate 
uh, everything that, you know, everybody who supported me and helped me get here because this is something that for a while probably was not possible. Like it didn't seem like this was something that was actually possible to get to do it. And so I am, I couldn't be more ecstatic to be able to, to do this and make this dream come true. And I think it's going to be so fun. I think this team's going to be good. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, but yeah, so I will put in the work. these jobs, brother. Yeah. I will, you know, nobody I mean, will have to the... worry about that. I will know no, everything no, no, no. that I can possibly know about the matchup, our team, their team, everything possible to try to enhance the broadcast experience and just add, as they say, a little color to the side of it. And like I said, Jim is, Jim's the prime rib. I'm a little accoutrement on the side. Maybe I'm just give you a little dash of Oju here and there and, <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll be off to the races. You're not leaving me with him. Are you alone? Right. I don't know. Apparently, according to social media, you know, you don't want that. The guy's got an anger issue. <laughs> people reacted. To, that's what people were saying. People were saying that Gibbs, Gibbs produces an episode of the BPA. We do that one. Uh, people have enjoyed that one, which is no surprise. Uh, and Gibbs is like smiling throughout the entire thing. And people were giving you a tough time on, on the social gibbet. Which is hurting. You're a big teddy one jabroni. I've never even seen you mad. Great use of jabroni. Never even seen you mad. I don't think I have seen you mad. Have I seen you mad? Yes. At me? I've seen Gibby mad. Once or twice. What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? Let's not. We'll relive there, it off the air. You can remind me of something yeah, dumb that I did. You, you've seen me angry. Oh, I've seen you angry, for sure. Well, I've seen him in full cage-rattling mode. Not, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. You, you and no, Ken I, got a front-row seat once to me really angry. Oh. Mm. Indeed, I did. Indeed. <laughs> I did. A lot of people were angry that day, my friend. Yeah, I was not the only one. <laughs> no, you weren't. Gibby, have you oh, seen the uh, – I, I, was, I, I was shocked in the break to realize to come to the realization that Zagura had not seen the 80s classic, just one of the guys. I have not seen and it you either. you have not seen it either. No. I've never even It feels like a stunning heard hole of in it. both of your resumes, considering we're men were 40. Like I've This was consistently on rotation on HBO – heard of it when we and were i kids. watched all that stuff yeah, i mean i saw I've never can't had, buy me love right i mean it's in that realm like johnny lawrence soul is in man it. like i mean i saw all those movies yeah it's a lot in, of transform big a lot of, i've never heard yes. of this type of a transformation as this is this you're purporting and then the poster made it look like it was a football movie and i was like i know wildcats i got necessary roughness yeah, for you not football movie no. no shocked i've never heard who's in it johonny lawrence is in it he's the big bad Hold on. My question I think to Sherilyn you is: Fenn's in it. My question I'm to you: I'm not sure who the lead is. I don't know that she was in a lot of other things. No, I've never even seen her. I recognize yeah. the like the sidekick guy was in a bunch of '80s stuff, but like, okay, first the of sidekick, all, sidekick the brother is great. Yeah, I mean he's he's yeah. in a ton of stuff. He's in a ton of stuff. But like, yeah. I can't. Same guy. First of all, if I was watching this movie, I kind of I did. What was the name that of that garbage movie? off? Just one of the guys. You, I can't. I mean. The Marlboro Man probably has no time for just one of the guys. Like, what would he say when you were watching just Do one of the I guys? Did you watch it with him? I don't he know. Wasn't in the mix. We only had one TV in my house, so if I was watching, I was no, in the living room, and if I was in the living room, my dad was in his chair yeah. in air quotes because he had his chair. This is where he's. No, there where was, he posted. He up. was out of the mix. He was outside a lot. I mean, there was there were a lot of times where you could pull something like this off uh, and get around it. Uh, let me let me. And see. I feel like I'm pretty well versed on 80s. I know classics. that's why I'm shocked. Yeah, a Joyce Heiser is your lead. Huh? And, and yeah, there's not a whole lot of the in the resume. I mean, it's an hour and 40 minutes. It's great. She's in This is Spinal Tap. 
Boy, have you seen that movie? I have, yeah. Yeah. Had a, had a decent Something run. You can't really talk about on the air. Has it? Well, yeah. And then it's a lot yeah. of, you know, from that point on, it's a lot of, uh, oh, I had a run on the bold and the beautiful as a stewardess. And here she headlined this. She was in L.A. Law, had a real run in the mid-'80s, and it all went to hell. I'm going to tell you what. It's got everything you want. It's got everything you want. It's got everything you want. I just feel like when I think of, like, Pantheon 80s movies. I don't know that it's Pantheon, but it's in that mix. It's in right, that so are you gonna, candles. You're going to put on that, on Can't Buy Me Love levels? And it's on in a Can't Soul Buy, Man level? It's in that realm. Well, it's, clearly it's, it's one in of that those. Realm. Yeah. Yeah. It's in one of, it's in that realm of movies. Like, that's the. It has. It it's also in a realm of, of movies that would not be made today. Correct. It hits all the benchmarks that a mid-80s movie, you oh, know, yeah. sophomoric yeah. 80s, certain 80s benchmarks you have to hit. It hit all of them. Um, so that's good. Did you guys watch? Uh, you got okay, to be coming yeah, real quick. Go yeah, go ahead. We've never really accounted for the Glenn Cook saunter before. It's really kind of just a gliding. To be fair, to be fair, he's the he's probably is the original saunter. I'm sure. And he's probably the only one who really carries it. There's a lot backing that saunter up. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to that. <laughs> there are others who saunter around here. That's, you know, it's false bravado. <laughs> that's real bravado. That is earned, Mr. Cook. Yeah. he was a dude in high school. All right, on. This I'm just came you. in from my buddy Burns. Just one of the guys is Austin. Watched it a zillion times as a kid. Of course he did. I, I, I know not of this movie. Yeah, Burns is right. <laughs> Burns is a smart man. Yeah, Burns knows. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it is a, it's on the list of really important '80s movies that are in that genre. It's on that list. Okay, all right. I'm gonna add it. It's, I don't know when I'm gonna have this viewing, but I'm gonna make sure that we I have. I want, it. Like, is it streaming? It's got to be somewhere. This feels like it's on Netflix. Or all those other? I don't know. This Netflix like is losing all of its. I know, it's but this, all of its I, catalog. I that's because people want the movies back. This doesn't feel like a movie that somebody's demanding to have back in their exclusive catalog. <laughs> Get Peacock if, Plus. If you're now. aware of it, if yeah. those that are aware, yeah. All right, let's see. Um, you can watch it on Pluto TV. No, right off the bat. Prime, Prime Video. Prime Video. Got it. Boom. Like, do we have to rent it on Prime Video, or let's is this see. for free? Let's see if it just comes with Prime. This feels like a five. No, you got to rent it. Three ninety nine. Three ninety nine. You can buy it for eight bucks, and then you can run it back. <laughs> That's what I, if if the buy it now. I don't know if you do this, but if the rent fee is single digits and the buy it now fee is also single digits, I'll buy it every time. Just because every in the time. Event, yeah. And typically, I'll never watch it. <laughs> but in the event that I will, the fact that I'd have to rent it again and be limited to forty-eight hours—that's yeah. my my philosophy on that. Is because most of the times when we buy, when we take something off Prime, it's for the children, and so the odds are they're going to want to run it back, like Sing or any of these. So even if those yeah. are in the twenties, I do it because I know I'm going to be renting that thing a hundred oh, times, yeah. between now and and forever. So by the way, folks, no scores here, or whatever, but. It feels like we're, while it is the day before the draft. Is it? Not for us. Doesn't feel like it is for us. Feels like it is December 23rd, which unless it's your birthday or the birthday of somebody that you really care about, is yeah. kind of like a forgotten day. Like nobody's, oh, it's December 23rd. You get to the 24th, now you're Christmas Eve. Then by the way, Christmas Eve, then Christmas. For us, this typically would be the Eve, not this year. I think in general, it's a ho-hum draft. 
It just is. I mean, that's just the reality. And I think it'll show in the ratings. I think this will be a down ratings draft. When you have the, the beautiful thing of the NFL draft in most instances is, and I think this is kind of a reflection on the way teams are now viewing first round picks versus how we used to. We used to view first round picks as you can't touch them. We'll not trade them. Yeah, now let's get Ford somebody who's really, really, now we're really like, good. Hey, you can have all the ones you want. We'll take a dude. Who we've seen play. Who we know who he is. In the league. That's right. And that's right. Great. That's right. So that's what's changed. But you know, of course. For, for most of our time around the league, loving yeah. the league, you do not trade ones. You do not. You protected them like they were your firstborn. And and that is that has changed. So that has led to several teams controlling most of this first round. You add to that, and it doesn't feel like there's is, is a, a – I asked this to Sam Monson this morning. Let me ask it to you guys. Is there any team in this draft that it change that with this draft hitting it out of the park it changes their standing and the way you view them? Because I the two that come to mind are the two New Yorks. I was gonna say the Jets is the first but the problem for them is they're in the AFC. So so the the one that I think is could the Giants the Giants pick at what five and five and nine or something like it, they're two yeah. two high picks. The Giants have a lot of weapons on offense. You know are. You know, Here's there's the a Tony thing that's say. out there. Who else? The Eagles. Well, and, and that's not with the who they draft, but what they if they do something. If they and by the way, I'm really trying to speak this into existence. This has really well, come out of nowhere, other than just dot connecting by us because we're educated gentlemen. Yeah, and I think you you say to yourself like you you know you now they're in a position to swing for the fence. They're gonna try. Yeah. Will it happen? I don't know, but I guarantee no, no, they yeah. will try. Yeah, they'll call. Oh, they'll call. And the offer. I mean, like I said, I mean they can give up four ones in two drafts. This one and next one, that's pretty good, you know, as you're trying to – if you were in the market of, of moving off of a, yeah. you know, transformative player like would potentially be in the mix. So, I don't know. I, I don't sense – like we say Jets, but to me there's nothing they're going to do at this draft that I'm going to be like, okay, now they're a contender. Because they still have big questions at quarterback. So, I just – Well, right. If, if Zach Wilson is who they believe Zach Wilson is, right? But if the Jets, let's say, got a really good player with one of their picks and traded the other and got Debo Samuel, you'd be like, okay – now, does that immediately catapult them ahead of New England? No. Does it immediately catapult them out of Miami? No. No. So, does it really change their standing? I guess not. But you could also you the problem is you'd add them to okay. Here's the 14th team now that's convinced yeah. they're going to the playoffs. Yeah. See, I if if I'm them, I don't think their windows now. Like they're still a couple of years from their window. Like if I were them, I wouldn't do the Debo thing, because I don't think they're there yet. I think they need it more things. On they what, need more depth of talent. It depends on what they think. But all of a sudden, let's just to play, you know, like a little, a little devil's advocate. They didn't get the benefits of of Carl Lawson last year, right? Mm -hmm. He comes back. You've got a good defensive coach, obviously, in Salah. You've got a good offensive mind in Lafleur. If you are trotting out your three receiver sets with Corey Davis, with uh, Elijah Moore, and Debo Samuel, like that's pretty formidable. Mm-hmm. You feel like a quarterback's going to have some success there. Get somebody to run the ball or catch the ball, fine. But just that trio is pretty darn good. So could they be interesting? Sure. The Dolphins, I feel like, how are the Dolphins not going to be interesting? Well, the question is Tua. But are they setting themselves up to be the next ready-made place that somebody says, ah, you know what? I'd like to go to Miami. Mm -hmm. Probably. Feels that way. And Tua's going to try to shut everybody up that thinks that's what's happening, that he's just a placeholder until they get the dude. Yeah. It's just loaded, man. That's the thing. Here's the thing. You mentioned this draft. We talked about it. Eight teams control 
half of the draft picks in the first round. Eight. Yeah. Which means there are, I think it's seven teams that don't have picks in the first round this year. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So it's seven markets that aren't as affected. I think you couple that with the standpoint of you don't have the quarterback intrigue. Like I, I know that in 2019 when we didn't have a one, the ratings were still really big for the draft here. And the ratings will be big for the draft here regardless. But the fact that there's no quarterbacks of consequence, I think, being drafted is the other kind of factor here. Who else you're not went waiting in, on that? In 19, and I can't recall off the top of my head for some reason, but 19 was Kyler. Who else went at quarterback in that draft? Because I feel like there's a big... It's a Dan Dimes draft, right? Danny Dimes, right. Danny Dimes. Haskins. Haskins. That's what it was. Those were the three first-rounders. And, there, you know, I mean, Kyler was a known... And, and Haskins was a Heisman finalist at Ohio State and a first-round pick. So, you know, that dra- – okay, so here you go. This, this kind of buttresses the point. So Murray goes one in 19. Mm-hmm. Number two is Nick Bosa. Yep. Okay, so dudes, one, yep. two. Uh, Quinn and Williams, Cleveland Farrell. Devin White, our guy, Devin White. I believe <sighs> we steed. had that. On the steed. That would be the answer to my Glenn Cook question. He would be on the short list of answers. Mine would have been Allen Robinson. Where we were like – And he was a second-round pick. stud. Yeah, Late second round pick. I think he was in the like sixty, pick sixty or something like that. Yeah. Yep. Danny Dimes went six. Uh, Josh Allen, the other one, the Kentucky. Uh, Who's darn good for the darn Jags, good. right? Yeah. T.J. Hawkinson, Ed Oliver, still sits in there on his steed. Um, Devin Bush, of course, to Pittsburgh. Jonah Williams, Rashawn Gary. Yeah, I mean Dwayne Haskins. And then Dimes is what like sixteenth. Yeah. Jeffrey Simmons went 19 in that draft. That, and so Jeffrey Simmons. There's your doppelganger. That's the guy, right? That's the Ojabo of this draft in terms of a guy that was a stud. Mm-hmm. They, it was a top five talent. Now, Ojabo's not a top five talent, which is why I think he could fall into the second round, which in my mock draft, that's what right, that's the scenario that I have for the Browns. Um, but, yeah, he's he's a pretty darn good he's a pretty darn good player. Um, but Simmons Holy has turned cow. out to be just an absolute monster. Here are the second-round receivers in 19. Debo goes 36. Yep. A.J. Brown goes uh, 51. Huh? D.K. Metcalf, 64. Yeah. Was Is Deontay Johnson in that, too? Um, I don't see. He might be third. He's t- top of the third. He went 66. <sighs> so those four all go in the second and third round in 2019. Terry McLaurin went 76th. Went fourth round. Third round. Third round. McLaurin went 76th overall. Winovich, one spot ahead of Chase Winovich, went 77. Holy cow. That's crazy at receiver. Yeah, pretty good. See, I don't think that's going to happen again, though, because I think They're people going. are getting smarter to the receivers. The Mc- They're going. Look at that. That's five guys, all dudes. How many went in the first round in that one since you have it in front of you right now? Receivers. Uh, Nikhil Harry went 32 bust marquise brown to baltimore hollywood brown went 25 yeah um that's it just two that's it that's it that's how much the league's changed in two years yeah you go back to the 20 draft you had a ton of them 21 draft you had a ton of them 20 draft you had rugs you had 2020 Judy, draft uh justin jefferson yeah 2020 draft rugs rugs was first he was the first receiver yep. off the board he went 12th uh, Judy went 15, CeeDee Lamb went 17, Jalen Rager went 21, Justin Jefferson went 22, Brandon Ayuk went 25. Um, second round had Higgins and Pittman off the board 
right away. That's seven. LaVisca Chenault went 42. Uh, K.J. Hamler went 46. Chase Claypool, 49. That's 10. Van Jefferson went 57. 11. Yeah. Denzel Mims, 59. 12. So that's 2020. So that tells you the difference of just one year, how we viewed receiver. Yeah. And just and it feels like that's it's not going to change year after year. And I think the Browns are in an interesting position. I know there are a lot of people that want the Browns to take a wide receiver at 44. And I get that. I understand that one. I don't know. If the guys that you want for the Browns, I don't know if any of them are going to be on the board at 44. And if there is one that might be on the board at 44, it feels like Pickens from the stuff that's coming out about him. Sure, he's talented, coming off an injury, but there feels like there's a lot of red flags. He might be the one, and he might have be a guy who has a free fall. But at, at the same time, he's a guy that could be a top-five talent in this class. Yeah. I don't just don't know who's who – matches up well i think what you say is if, if you don't have if you don't have that receiver at 44 it feels like receiver defensive end um but if you don't get that receiver at 44 then you got to get because we need somebody opposite amari no doubt so that's got to get sorted i love out. dpj and i think dpj can absolutely be an effective receiver in this league i think we've seen it. i think you will only get better with deshaun watson but what we need is either a anthony schwartz to really step up on the outside or we need to get somebody outside that can take the top off the defense to yeah. let uh, Amari Cooper like I envision Amari Cooper great route runner gets open all the time yes he can be he's more of a vertical threat than Thielen but when you think about this offense and what it was in Minnesota I see Amari kind of in that Thielen role where he can vacuum the ball up yeah. give you 12 1400 yards and 10 touchdowns but he's not the game wrecker which is I think what we're still looking for and then you're talking about a guy out of the slot who can be a catch and run guy or a guy that's just a guy who gets open and does everything the right way like Jarvis if you brought Jarvis back to play on the inside but, you know, you don't want Schwartz to step up. And he was a third-round pick a year ago. Like, yeah. We, we, we need to see some production out of Anthony Schwartz this year. But I do think you need to add somebody on the outside. There's still veterans. Will Fuller, Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson already has made a – liked a, a picture of him in a Browns jersey. And so who knows there. But he could still fly. He was very productive vertically for the Rams and for the Raiders last year. Yeah. A lot of options out there. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a little flat for, for, for several of those reasons. A lot of bad advice out there about gambling from secret methods to picking lottery numbers to beating betting big when you're on a roll. The miss can lose you money. Get you in a lot of trouble. So before you wager, find out what's real and what isn't at KeepItFunOhio.com. You'll listen to Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Rumpke Waste Recycling, family-owned and operated. Whether you join them as a customer or as an employee, you'll be part of the family. Visit Rumpke.com to learn more. Did you guys watch uh, Jaw last night? Did you see any of it, or did you just see it this morning? Uh, I saw all I needed to see when I saw him <laughs> posterize. I mean, One it's of the a poster. worst posters I've ever seen in my life. And the guy kind of knew it. He was getting out of the way. But, I mean, he took off. It was almost like a Jordan dunk that was also in a game in somebody's face well so i was watching it live it was the um it's the end of the third quarter end right? of the third quarter that's an awesome series 
awesome. And the young talent in it is stunning. Yeah. So you got I have a little personal tie. Covered D'Angelo Russell. Love covering him at Ohio yeah. State. Great kid. Delightful kid. And then Scooney Penn is on the Memphis staff. So great friend of mine. And, and he's on the Memphis staff. So you, you follow him. And I remember when they j- drafted Ja. And early on, I, I was talking to Scooney. And I said, is, he, is it all right for like me to get the boys his jersey? Like, is he a good human? He's like, great, great human. Like, he's all of the – he checks every box. So, what, what I was thinking about, though, watching it, because at the end of the game, Edwards, who was the number one pick a couple of years ago, hits the three to tie it with three seconds to go, and then Ja finishes a layup, walk-off layup. Um, and Edwards what, went for the steal at the end? I read some quote where he said, I, deci- I he made was the kind determination of on his I was going to go for the steal instead of – and he said, ja I should just turned and then – and, and got there. I mean, he got to keep the, cup. the guy in front of you. It's that yeah. easy. Stay between the guy, the ball keep, handler and the basket. Like, if you can't defend him to the point, I watched it live. My wife's got a little bit of a sinus thing going on. Yeah. I woke her up. She threatened to divorce me. I went downstairs, <laughs> was screaming at the TV. Um, I, I, if you can't get there, just pull back because yeah, you've got to keep it. He has to be in front of you. Yeah. You have to be between him and the hoop. And yeah. I don't. I did not understand that. I. I mean, just it's just a. It just it's a miss. It's a big. It's a big miss. Um, it also speaks to. I think Jaw's success this year speaks to what's happened in that league, where so many guys shoot threes that the game has become so spread out that if you are a slasher, a penetrator, you can feast because there's nobody there. You're oftentimes you break a guy down. You're unencumbered to the rim. There's not rim protectors anymore. Bigs are out shooting threes, so there's nobody to fear at the rim. So you're seeing it. Like, if you're willing to attack, you can get to the cup. Yeah, I and mean, Ja just relentlessly attacks. Was it like and a – gravity does not apply to him, apparently. No. He springs off of the ground yeah, like the it's a trampoline. It's yeah. outrageous. Bounce is pretty real. They had what? Was it a six- or seven-point lead the, the uh, T-Wolves did with, like, four minutes to go? Yeah. And, and he just – like, you knew he was the only one getting the ball. Yeah. yeah. Carl Anthony Towns. No premature shushes. No, none of that. Then they yeah. go. They went down a twenty-three-seven run after he did that. Well, he, yeah, he's not. He's kind of punchable. <laughs> he's a lot of the stuff he does is a Cat. little bit. It's an incredibly contentious series, though, yeah. and it's been really good. What's all, it at all, now? It's three-two now. Memphis going back to Minnesota, three-two, which got me thinking though about Ja, because it did feel like in watching it that it was almost like a hello world moment for him. And I know NBA people are aware of Ja, but it almost felt like, oh. Now he's going to be this type of guy. And we've had several of those. I, I remember Damian Lillard hit that game winner uh, a few years ago in the playoffs where he went and stared at the camera and was like, you know, that one that's the gift, like that one. Uh, but he never – it never went to fruition. Right. Because, you know, you don't win the next round. He's done. He's out of the playoffs. Yep. I thought of, you know, what are, what are great moments where something transcendent happens and it, it isn't remembered because the team result – for example, if it doesn't doesn't happen, if Memphis doesn't win this series, this will all be forgotten. Yeah, it's all gone. Mm-hmm. So they have to win the series. And the first thing I thought of was like Josh Allen last year against Kansas City. He had two game-winning drives. He played perfect quarterback, and I don't know if it'll be remembered because they did not only did they not even go to the Super Bowl, they didn't go to the AFC Championship game because Mahomes one-upped him both times, but he was superb in that game. Superb, and he was superb in the playoffs. Let me get his playoff stats because I've been throwing out a stat that I believe is correct. We'll find out if it is, but uh, I think through nine touchdowns, and he threw 
nine incompletions in the two playoff games, I believe is correct. And they did not, to your point, they did not make it no. to the AFC Championship game. So let's get, pull up the playoffs here. Last year, a few more incompletions. So f- he was he only completed 80% of his passes. Sorry. <laughs> he was uh, 48 of 62, nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, averaged 10 yards an attempt, 13 yards per completion, 318 yards a game and four and a half touchdowns, and had a quarterback rating of 149.0. Right. And I don't know five years from now if you'll recollect that or if it's just because it's fresh in our memory we will. Like if you don't finish the job, it can disappear on you. I mean, what's amazing is if you remember in 19, his first playoff game, Josh Allen was the Bills and the Texans, and he was dreadful. I remember we had the the man with whom this show's loins have were birthed saying at the Combine, we had him on at the Combine, we had Vic on, and he said he was really down on Josh. Like, well, like they, he, he might not be it. Like, they yeah. got to figure out if he can be it or not. Well, he worked hard. And since that time in the playoffs, he's completed over 70% of his passes with 14 touchdowns, one interception, and the team, and he's won three playoff games. I don't know that anybody has improved more in, since from what he was going into the league to what he is now. Yeah. You know, I, I truly don't know. I don't, I don't know if anybody has. I, I'm trying to think five, six years ago if there's a football, if there's a playoff team – but yeah, it's a transcendent a support. Like for example, do you think? And it's not the same. And, and don't I, don't act like I'm. I'm not saying it's the same. But it it's kind of like it reminded me a little bit on a much smaller level, and not the consequences. So I think I put enough precursors into it, of of LeBron against Detroit when he scored every twenty point. some in a row, whatever that was, unbelievable. And it's like which is one of the most. But I don't do people remember that outside of Cleveland. Now with LeBron, and it's argu- maybe not. It's arguably, arguably as dominant as I've ever seen anybody. An individual in a team sport environment that was, I think, maybe the best performance ever. Yeah, and I don't know if people outside of here remember it because that did not win. result in a championship. Because what then they went and played the Spurs, swept, swept. I remember it. Yeah, we do. For here, we do. Sure, but the do the rest of us, right? You know, does everybody else? Because it was something that happened in a loss, like forever. People remember the Carlton Fisk home run, the game six Red Sox home run. This? Oh, yeah. Right? The wave. But then they they lost. I don't even know. So, sometimes that moment was presented almost to where people think the Red Sox won the World Series on that hit. You know? Yeah. Uh, like, it's, like, it's like the Buckner moment. <laughs> right. Like, right. They didn't lose the series in that game. Don't you think those were, though, and for the kids out there, if you were our age and you got Sports Illustrator, one of those magazines, they would send you great moments in sports, yep. VHS, and they would replay that stuff on ESPN yep. all the time. That's how I saw that stuff. Of course. There was nowhere else. And it was in like almost every ad for one of those things. It sure was. It was always in the ads. Yes. Yeah, cause, and that yeah. would be your team. And that's when you'd get – I mean, those were the glory days when you would, your team would win the Super Bowl and you'd get the big thing, their year video, and you'd get their sweatshirt and, you know, everything like that. When they'd come out with the end-of-the-year reviews and great moments of the year and special issues of Sports yeah. Illustrated that had all that stuff. Yeah, that's how you saw a lot of that. Let me ask you, do you think people remember this? Because you talk about winning. So Joe Flacco, do you think people remember in the year that they won the Super Bowl? Joe Flacco, they go 4-0, obviously. They won the Super Bowl. They beat the Niners 2012. That Flacco – 
throws for basically 300 yards a game with 11 touchdowns, no interceptions, averaged 15.6 a completion, nine yards an attempt, quarterback rating of 120. Like, do you think anybody even remembers Joe Flacco and the role that he played in them winning won. that Super Bowl? No, I remember. Didn't they beat uh, Denver? Denver, that's the one I Raheem, remember. Raheem Moore. Yeah. Was it safety? I, he was with us for a hot second. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I think people remember how he bet on himself, but they couldn't tell you who he played or what he did in a game other than, you know, the Super Bowl win over the 49ers. But I, I couldn't tell you what he like what his stats were, if there was something that stood out. I just I was at that Super Bowl. I remember being on the field after they won it, and you they, the NFL Network post game was playing in the Superdome. Yeah, and Deion Sanders said, "You're about to get paid," and they did. You know, he did. He did get yeah. paid based on because didn't he bet on himself? I think he, he did. Bet on he himself. bet on himself. That's the only thing you remember, though. Yeah, I and he would make one anymore. more appearance in the playoffs in 2014. Went one and one through six touchdowns, two picks in those two games, but that was it. Yeah. Yeah, it's but it it you but have to right, finish gotta, the job, gotta, yeah. otherwise it goes away. It it it'll it'll disappear can, on you. Can Garland be Ja Moran? No, he doesn't have that athleticism. No, Ja is uh, Ja is Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, um, Derrick Rose previous pre prior to injury, Russell Westbrook level explosiveness. Yeah, you know they're just. Garland does not have that explosiveness. I think Garland... He's a rim wrecker. Yeah, he is. To me, Garland's game can be, as he grows, can be how Chris Paul's has been. Ja, ja also has a little bit of, if he were bigger, and I might actually be wrong on their heights, but he just feels like he's bigger than Steph Marbury. Like, when Steph Marbury was in his, like, peak... Prime, yeah. Because he would <clears throat> dunk on people. He could, yeah. he could do it all. But I feel like Ja looks bigger. If Ja just, were 6'6", you know, he'd be like Jordan Kobe. Yeah. Like, from an... That type of athleticism. How big is he? Young. He's like six two. Oh, so John can't be much bigger than Marbury then. No, probably not. Oh wow. Uh, it was his a, bounce though. Is it was it's amazing. Westbrook franchise. You knew there was only one guy touching the basketball down the floor. Yeah. Like yeah, it was and, all him. And I didn't know if anybody else was going to get another touch unless it was an offensive rebound off a of mess. And they they could not stop it. Which. Yeah. What are you going to do? I mean. No, he's he was he was sensational. It it does feel like one of those moments. Uh, we'll get into back to the draft talk here momentarily. Uh, take a look at some of these receivers, specifically guys who could be second rounders. We'll know more obviously once the first round and if there's a run. That's coming up next. We'll stick with the Browns Daily on eight fifty ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Are your business operations suffering from internal communication breakdowns? Bo here for my friends at EOX Vantage. The data scientists, also business ops experts, your EOX Vantage team helps you build a streamlined communication system, brings together your email, chat, intranet announcements, and CRM into one clear flow. Your people, including those who work remotely, gain a centralized hub. It encourages collaboration. No more disconnected communication methods that leave team members out of the loop or not on the same page. Real, everyday business problems solved with EOX Vantage. See how other business owners are getting everyone involved on the same page by visiting eoxvantage.com. Give A, you have a list of receiver things you'd like to discuss with us? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, this is from our good friend Cynthia Freeland. 
2022 draft pro comparisons analytical team fits for the top wide All receiver right. prospects. So that being said, uh, from a wide receiver standpoint, Garrett Wilson, her pro comp, Odell. Best I don't team. mind that. I don't mind that. Would, I uh, think that's okay. Okay. Maybe this is a little agree or disagree. Danny, do you got a little traveling music? I think, I, I think that seems fair. I, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Some I think, spectacular catches for sure. Yeah, I think Garrett is a little, and I didn't know this until we had Odell in the in the building, and I don't mean this as any sort of slight. I think Garrett physically is a little more imposing than Odell was. Um, I think it's like when we finally got to meet Odell and he was here in the building, I was floor, I thought he would be physically more imposing. I mean, he's tall, him. but he's in tremendous. No, no, no. Of course, but yeah. like from a physical trait standpoint, you know, there wasn't. It was just a stunning amount of ball skills, and, incredible, and late touch and burst and all of that stuff that was ridiculous, insane. The ability, body, but control, I think like if, if two guys hands. are just walking down the street, sure, you'd look at Wilson and go, "Yeah, that guy, he looks more the part." Her team fit for one, Garrett Wilson, the New York Football Jets. Yeah, I mean that would work. Yeah, I mean it'd be a home run. It'd be yeah, you've got like I said, you would have Elijah Moore working on the inside, Corey Davis, former first round pick, early first round pick of Tennessee, he's got a thousand yard season under his belt, uh, and Wilson. I mean, if Zach Wilson can't make that work, that's on Zach Wilson. When do they get rid of those uniforms? I hope. So. I, 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 go. They had good ones. They had great ones. I mean, you got. What's your preferred era for them? Name yeah. it. Yeah, name it. Or like Pennington. That's what they had with yeah. Pennington. Yeah, it, the only thing was when when Joe was there, when Namath was there, they had a. It was a little bit more of a Kelly green as opposed yeah. to the Hunter. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a brighter green, which was great. By the way, as I I all I Google search is Joe Namath Jets, and among the images that pop up are him and Farrah Fawcett in a towel. <laughs> Broadway Joe. Wow, which is fantastic, and this appears to be him. I mean, this is him on the cover of Sports Illustrated in 1970, 1970. My God, look at him here. Look he looks like that. he could be on Black Sails. He could be on Black Sails. That looks right out of the Black Sails playbook. They don't even identify the, the woman who's on the cover with him. Yeah, it was Mondays. Jeez. <laughs> For some reason, he has a, a holster. He's wearing a holster with bullets in it. Yeah. In the it, thing. What a hero. What a hero. He's everything you want. Nameth. Jameson Williams, Alabama. Mm -hmm. okay. Pro comparison per Cynthia Freeland. Will Fuller. I feel like she might be doing him a little disservice there. Will Fuller is incredibly productive when he could stay healthy. Very productive. I feel is he more is he more Deshaun Jackson? I don't know if he has that. I was I was thinking Brandon Cooks. Okay. But 5'10", I think he's bigger than Cooks. Hey, 6'1". And he can fly. Hurt. I mean, there's a lot. There's some rugs to him. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's a little bit of that. How big was rugs? Is rugs? I think 6'2". I don't know. That could, could dunk a basketball. His, uh, uh, by the way, her team fit 
for uh, Mr. Jameson. Jameson, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep, he'd replace yep. Tyreek Hill. That'd be a home run. I don't think he'll be there when they pick. No. I think, I think someone will go get him. I think he's going first receiver off the board. Let's go. Could be. Hot takes. All right, who's our comp for Drake London? Vincent Jackson. Oh, boy. And her team fit the I Atlanta like Falcons. Well, he needs a quarterback. They can, if he's Vincent Jackson, you need a Phil Rivers. You need somebody to get you the ball down the field because Vincent Jackson was big, fast, strong, vertical, worked the intermediate game. They'd play him. North Turner would play him in the slot sure. so he could get free releases. Vincent Jackson, I like that. Atlanta. It feels like Atlanta is going – I mean, they're going to be the worst team in the league, and they will be able to draft C.J. Stroud next year. But you throw C.J. Stroud with Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Yeah, and now you're off. you got some, now you're, you got some things you can work with. Her comparison for Chris Olave, Chris Godwin. And the best team fit, the Washington Commanders. I don't want him Sorry, there. And no. I don't think they would draft him either because McLaurin kind of already is that. Like they're, They use McLaurin vertically. Yeah, Godwin's more your intermediate. Olave, no. then they do – this is Olave, right? Yeah, I mean, he's like, like a, Godwin. a high 4-2 guy. Yeah. Like he's a burn guy too. I I mean, he can kind of do everything. Thank right. you. You want he two really of those can. guys. He's yeah. Justin Jefferson for you. Yeah, that's that's the comp for me. I, I, I Jefferson's just, a little bigger, I think. I, but I love Olave. You should. I think that Olave. There are there are days where I'm like, I think Olave. If I had to take him or Wilson, I would take Olave. I don't, I don't think that I've that's seen. a stretch. I think that that's yeah. very very fair to have that opinion. They're both great. I mean, I want him in Green Bay. I want him in Green Bay or Kansas City. I want him with a Green dude. Bay feels. If he's in Let's Green Bay, Green Bay somebody says he's a better Randall Cobb, and Randall Cobb was really good. Yeah, he is better. I, he's he's just so. I'm trying to. Th- I heard Orlovsky say um, say this, and I I think this is what Olave is such a clean prospect. There's nothing there that you're like ah uh, nothing. I mean, it's just now he, he's probably doesn't have like Jamar Chase explosive you know, make you miss, stop, start, all that. But just plug 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns on a good team, I could see it next year. Like, if he went to Green Bay, 1,200 yards, eight, nine touchdowns, yep. yeah. He's Sold. the man. Sold. Yep. Sold. Traylon Burks. Some mocks have him pretty high up now. Top 10, top 15. Yeah. I'm going to have him not in the first round at all. Yeah. Know, it seems all over sometimes. the map. Traylon Burks, pro comparison, Des Bryant. Oh, boy. Best team fit, Philadelphia. Eh, I don't think you want to go there. I mean, I loved I was a big Des Bryant guy. Yeah. Got stud. He was a stud at Oklahoma State, too. Yes. I don't know that – I don't think – I don't know that Burks has that. Pure receiving. And yeah. He was a receiver. He was yeah. not a – Yeah, Burks kind of did everything. I mean, he did everything. did wildcat, ran the ball. How far do these uh, go, Gibby? Do we get into the second round, guys? I'm working my way down. Jahan Dotson. Oh, good. All right. Pro comparison is Tyler Lockett. Yep. Team I've fit that. Colts. Oh, boy. They He's really good. Speed there. That'd be real nice. Compliment Pittman. That's a nice fire and ice type of a combo there. And with Paris Jonathan Campbell Taylor. if he can be healthy. I do like Paris He can Campbell. burn. He can burn. Sky Moore, Western Michigan. Pro comparison, Brandon Cooks. Well, there you go. Team fit. The New York Football Giants. You can get all the wide receivers, by the way, you want. New York, you still have a garbage quarterback. D Dimes. Yeah, great. Th- don't they have How's to do the fifth-year option on him within the next week? Yep. 
him and Kyler are both and up for fifth year option in like the next week. Some thought that they're not going to pick up his fifth year option. And then they just have to be in the cousin situation. If he's great, they franchise him. And if not, yeah, it's not the worst thing. No, no. that's as far as she goes. That's it. That's it. Uh, I was hoping to hear. What so she who said would for still it. be on the board at that point if the if the first round ends? And those seven go? Yeah. But you didn't hear Watson's name. Pickens. You didn't do him, right? You didn't do Pickens or Watson. Pickens, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, Christian Watson from North Dakota State, John Mechie, Alabama, Alec Pierce, Cincinnati, David Bell, Purdue would be the David next. Bell. I like David, David Bell. David Bell's a really good player. He's a really, really fast. good player. Yeah, but neither was Jarvis coming out. The guys, all he did was set the record for most catches the first five years in the league. You know what I mean? I think Jarvis ran a four seven, if I'm not mistaken. I think I had David Bell in a mock few. I think maybe one He was incredibly productive at Purdue. Now you watched a lot of Purdue. I'm guessing. Did he? Well, I didn't watch a lot of Purdue. I watched a lot of. I watched them play Ohio State, and if memory serves, he shredded Ohio State. So he and I wondered: Is was he a guy that? You know, because Rondale Moore didn't have the impact that I think any of us expected in his rookie year. Not to say he, that he started won't. to. He's Bell's big though. Like yeah, Moore, Moore's a, more was more Bell's of a scatter. Six foot two twelve, but he ran a four six five. He which plays bigger than six feet. Some people concerned, that and that's I, it, it's not crazy, but that's also hard to do at this level. And here's the the summation: um, He was a guy who finished his career hundred and one point two receiving yards per game. Uh, smooth, savvy pass catcher, dependable ball skills, flashes Michael Pittman-like ability at times, efficient in and his roots, but his ability to uncover is based more on root subtleties and not root suddenness. Overall, he doesn't have ideal speed or explosive traits by NFL standards, but he's a productive ball winner with body control and toughness to translate to the pro game. A high floor, low ceiling NFL starter. All right, here's your uh, here's where he, what he did against the best defenses they played. Against Notre Dame, he was seven catches for 64. That's fine. Iowa maybe had the best defense of the Big Ten last year. He was 11 catches for 240. Jeez. Michigan State was a, a, the number three-ranked team in the country at the time they played them. He had 11 catches for 217. Uh, Ohio State, he had 11 catches for 103. So that, in terms of the four best defenses, four best most talented teams he played, that's what he did. Sounds like about 600 yards. That's pretty good. I'll that take that. That's pretty, pretty good. Yeah. You're listening to Cleveland Browns Daily. So much more to come right here on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Cleveland Browns Daily on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Bo here for Char Whiskey Bar and Grill in Rocky River. They know what they're doing, kids. Sip on your choice of over 300 premium whiskeys. Their list is premium craft cocktails while catching a game at the Char Bar. Char also coming out with a new spring menu. It's coming out May 2nd. New items on both the main and brunch menus. Oyster, shrimp, cocktail, and more as they introduce their raw bar specials. Check out the new chicken and waffles on the current brunch menu as well. It's a winner. Enjoy your meal or drink on the outdoor patio as the weather gets warmer. Support local. Visit Char Whiskey Bar and Grill in Rocky River or CharRockyRiver.com. The next level is next. Congratulations, Z. God love you, brother. Thank Cleveland you. Browns Daily, 850 ESPN Cleveland.